welcome to another episode of Shelf Esteem. And this week for a very special episode, I am outside of my basement recording studio and on location uh, visiting one of my special guests, Helen Porter, in her retirement home, along with another very special guest, Bernice Morgan. These two ladies have not only had a big influence on my life, but a huge influence on Newfoundland literature and on so many other aspects of our province's life and culture. They are absolute, as I think I called them during the podcast, absolute matriarchs of the literary scene in Newfoundland. It was a wonderful opportunity to sit down with both of them to talk about books and a wide range of subjects and to enjoy some crackers and cheese, which may explain the crinkling sound you hear at certain points. We started, as I always start the podcast, talking about what we've been reading lately, and that very naturally led us to the subject of audiobooks. Helen is visually impaired, probably one of the worst disabilities to come across an avid reader, and uh, she now reads entirely through audiobooks, and so we started off by talking about what she'd been listening to lately. So, so Helen, you 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 have to have to get books on tape now. Do you have a hard time getting uh, getting good no, ones? No, uh, I get Kathy gets them at the library for me. Uh huh. When I was in town, they brought them right. every six weeks. They do that for older people and for disabled people. Right. You just phone, tell them what you want. Uh huh. And you have them for six weeks, and then they come back and get them. Uh huh. And the same in Mount Pearl, but. Because of Kathy, you know, it's hard for me to get to Mount Pearl. It's just hard for me to get to Mount Pearl is to get St. John's. Right. And they don't send them in here. Into Paradise. No, because People Paradise, in paradise is not a very literary place. <laughs> and they don't have a library. <laughs> and so they this also, is cause or effect. So you get books on tape brought out to you from the library, hey? Yeah, Kathy, Kathy, Kathy brings, brings them, them out now. for you. Yeah. So what have you listened to lately? Uh, just see going? now, is there a bag over there below the bed? Oh, let me go see if there's a bag below the bed. So tell her about the Madeline. Not Mad- under. Tell her about the, Mad- the Madeline the Albright one you wrote. Mad- yes. You should tell her about that one. Oh, here we go. We've got some in the bag, yes. Bernice just remembered. You don't mind if it was like last year. Oh my goodness, no, no. I'm, I'm just interested. Madeline Albright. Okay. I forget the name of the book. She was Secretary of State for the United States. Right. Uh, and that was uh, before Hillary. Right, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just before Hillary. Uh huh. Because um, Hillary's husband, that's a nice thing to call him. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably as good as he deserves, honestly. He was uh, Hillary's husband. No, but he was, she was Secretary of State when he was, he was president. president, right. Yeah. And um, so. Uh, Oh, she it was absolutely marvelous book about her career. Really, I bet that and was her life. Her yeah, life. Uh, I can't remember, but it wouldn't be hard to find. Oh no, we could easily mm. find the title of it. Yes, she must have had an interesting life. So let's see what you got here. In the just call the out, just call them out to me. Uh, we've got Naomi Klein, The Shock Doctrine. I don't think I read that yet. Okay. Just give me the. I forgot about that. Oh well, there you go. I meant to read that. <laughs> Then we've oh, got. Put on top um, of your radio. Yeah. We've got Mythology by Edith Hamilton. Yes, I read that. Okay, so yeah. that was is, good. Is it just like an overview of world mythology, or uh? sort of? I didn't get right into that. Um, okay. I, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in novels, really, yes, yeah. and short stories. Oh, here's George Orwell, Down and Out in Paris Oh, and that's London. marvelous. I've never read that I one. I think I read that before. I'm yeah. sure you did. 
I've yeah. read, read a few of Orwell, but I've never read Down and Out in Paris and London. It so looks how old good. was he when he wrote that? When he's only 39 when he died. So definitely before then. Yeah. <laughs> it says it's the fictional account of his salad days as a penniless British writer in the early 1930s. So, so that's Down and Out in where? Paris and London. And London, yeah. Yeah, he and he went somewhere else too. He spent he go and live in a house with, you know, a, a, a very working class per, person. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. And then we have an Agatha two Agatha Christies, <laughs> two uh, Inspector Poirot mysteries. Yeah. 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 Now wait now is that is that this wait now? Oh yeah, I read them because lately uh, I've gotten. Um, Supposedly, it's a Christie book, uh -huh. and it's written by someone else. So oh, I really? sent that. I think I sent that one back. <laughs> so somebody yeah. else is writing like Agatha uh, Christie. So his yes. name is there, and it's approved by her. Her, her, her estate. I don't know. I suppose it she's still down the state. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, I didn't read it. I w read one chapter. So they were like, it's, it's Inspector Poirot mysteries, but he had Poirot in it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think I just think it shouldn't be allowed. This, they did and the same thing with um, I love the Dorothy Sayers, Lord Peter Wim oh, Wimsey. I like those, yeah. are, those are I, my favorites of all time. I haven't read any of them for years. I love them. I, 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 I reread the whole series every no. few years. They're one oh, of my favorites. But um, but a few years ago, another writer was given permission by her estate to continue on writing Lord Peter Wimsey mysteries, and they're not the same at all. Like, well, they can't be really book lovers. They must be trying to get. They must got money out of it. Well, the other writer is, um, is Jill Payton Walsh. is quite an acclaimed mystery writer herself. What's her name? Jill Payton Walsh. No, is she been, good? Uh, I think she's a good mystery writer in and of her own right. Yeah. But I found when she took over the Lord Peter Wimsey mysteries, it just. It's not the same oh. flavor if another writer takes it up. It's the characters are not the same if somebody yeah. else is writing them. Well, I, I, I certainly was very disappointed in P.D. James did a um, Jane Austen. Oh, Death Comes to Pemberley. Yes, and, and I read that. I, I didn't I, like that. I, I, I mean, I love P.D. James. I grieved I when she died. Yeah. I loved her mystery, mm -hmm. but that. Uh, Jane Austen one. Uh huh. I hated it. Really, I, I didn't really like it. Didn't like it at really all. Really surprised that she ever did it. I, yeah, did did you, you know, like it, Helen? I didn't like it at all. There's such an industry in Jane Austen spin-offs, <laughs> though, like people extending the story or updating them. Or put, I actually yeah. read, I read a really interesting book last week, which is, it's one of many that purports to be like a modern spin on Pride and Prejudice. Yes. And it's written by a young. I should um, be making notes. Uh, it's written by a young Muslim Canadian writer. And she's writing about like an immigrant community uh, where they were arranged marriages are the norm, oh, and yeah. so it's kind of it's kind of taking the whole Pride and Prejudice idea mm. um, of this very haughty young man who she doesn't like at first sight, uh, but it uh, but it puts us into this this contemporary um, Indian Canadian community. That one's called Aisha at Last, and I really like that one. Uh, but it wasn't re it wasn't trying to do Jane Austen. It was kind of taking the same. The same concept, but putting it in a modern sense. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I didn't. I didn't love the P. D. James "Death Comes to Pemberley" one no. either. 
No, I did, I read it, but I didn't. Uh, it didn't. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't think she should have bothered. And of course, she <laughs> she didn't she hide did. it or anything. You know, no, she, no. yeah. Oh no, these people are named and commissioned. Oh yeah. You know, to do that, and I, I don't imagine with Jane Austen because she's been dead so long. No. But Agatha Christie, I think they're still in. But they belong to her family. To her estate, and well, probably. I want to know this because we've been—I've been talking about all that stuff with my family. Because when you die, uh, you know, do royalties continue to your children? Or it, no? it should be included in your will. Yes, it should be. In your oh will. well, I got to make it an addition to my will in that case. Well, <laughs> but I mean, what if somebody came along and said? I would like to write new Bernice Morgan novels now. I'd like to continue you know the what? story of Random Passage. If they said they'd make money on it, I'd say, go ahead. <laughs> and they might sell more. Three more you know that yes, the, do you like the small yeah, cheese? Like I the spin-offs for Jane Austen. You know that they sold more of the Jane Austen books because of it. Oh, well, that's true, yes. Doing these spin-offs. People go back and read the originals. Yes. Well, when, um, that is the good thing about them, is that they do when, reawaken interest in the originals. When did To Kill a Mockingbird uh, was redone, and that was after she died, uh, the original author, and uh, when that was done, there was a lot about it on the radio, and it was on one of the morning programs, they got this famous literary critic and, to talk about it, they had a nice long talk, and the last, last thing that the interviewer said, would you re recommend to people to read it? She said no. Oh, that's the second book. Yes, no, the Ghost, Ghost at a Watchman, which was her unpublished manuscript that was published. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. not Don't Kill a Mockingbird. No, it's a separate book. It's a separate book, no, so but they, it's related. She, they didn't do it with that. Well, I think it was an unfinished manuscript. She was still summer. alive at the time, but she, she was 99. Yeah, she, she wasn't was blind. Well. She yeah. had dementia, and yeah. she had never chosen to publish this manuscript her whole life. And then her lawyer suddenly pops up and says, mm. oh, yes, Harper Lee is fine with me publishing this. I've, I, I feel very strong way about this. I'm mm. sure that yeah. Harper Lee would never have approved mm. this. If she, she should have destroyed it then. She should have, yeah. But she, she, was in, she had mental illness. Yeah, yeah, but she didn't have it when she wrote it. No, but she should have... Uh, she should have destroyed it or left instructions, you know, with yeah. somebody. But she, she probably trusted. wouldn't think about... It. it would take her a while, wouldn't it, to realize... You mean knowing that she didn't think it was very good. Uh, I well, don't know. She had the manuscript sitting around for decades, and yeah. she chose never to do anything with yeah, it. Yeah, well, this, but maybe she yeah. thought she would. Maybe she always thought she would get around. I mean, I've got yeah. things that I think I would. <laughs> you think you'll get around to Yeah, but, yeah. you know, if you, with these. Anyhow, little, this, very little time allotted to it. <laughs> that's what this, this critic said. No, that's all. She, no, the didn't, second she didn't go on saying anything. Now, I did read it. I read Gosetta Watchman. Mm -hmm. um, and it reads to me very much like an early draft that she didn't have the time. You know, she, not that she didn't have time. She lived to be ninety-nine. She obviously had time. She didn't get around to no doing. No. It didn't read like a finished draft. Yeah. And that's why I think she would have been unhappy to have it published. Oh, yes, I don't I'm think that sure was ever her intention. And someone got money out of it. Yeah, her lawyer got money out because she died a short time later, and yeah. she had no children yeah. or even nieces and nephews. She had no one to leave her money no, to. So. Right. Yeah. What happens to writers when they die? What a cheerful subject. <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting with that whole idea of, you know, people coming up with spin-offs and, and, oh, and yeah. new versions yeah. of the stories. So, um, now, so do you want anything else about that book? or? Oh, anything is good. Mm -hmm. 
Well, what I, what I liked about it... This is the Madeleine Albright one, right? Yeah, yeah, it was written in a very down-to-earth way. Mm-hmm. It was good writing. Uh, I think, I don't know, she's probably never written a novel or fiction. No. But for the kind of a book she wrote, she was as good as any I ever mm-hmm. read, and better than nuts. Uh, it, was, it was informal, but it was good in the way that uh, it was the structure. Mm-hmm. The structure of the book was very good, and uh, I'd advise anyone else to read it. Uh, there was a, a breakup with her husband. She didn't go into detail. She didn't go in very much about herself mm-hmm. at all. Not a lot about her personal life. No, she life. talked well, mostly about the job. I guess she was the first female. Secretary of State? I think so. I think, I think she, she was. Yeah, she, yeah. Uh, because she was before Hillary. Yes. Not long yeah. before. And um, so, uh, anyway, and there were a lot of very important things went down that she really had to search herself mm-hmm. about, you know. And, uh, but uh, the two things I remember most are that she didn't know. Well, one thing is the part about the husband and how little there was about him, but, yeah. but she did say that she went through a hard couple of years uh-huh. after that. So, But she, she wasn't writing about her life, no. so I guess that was the right thing to do. And she said, so anyway, when she was, oh my God, middle age, she found out that they were Jewish. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And uh, her, I think they're from Czechoslovakia originally, mm-hmm. and I think her name might have been slightly changed, you yes, know. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and um, so uh, anyway, um, it, she, I don't know who told her, someone finally, she was middle-aged when she found out anyway, mm-hmm. and she was very, very upset. Why? Yeah, but you know, what, whichever country it was, Czechoslovakia probably, but one of them that were invaded and everything, you know. Uh, so uh, that the the parents and they had other children. They they just thought it would be easier for them if they didn't grow up Jewish, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they they joined a Catholic church. I think it was it was Christian church. Yeah. Yeah, and just to be presentable, because well, their father had a very kind of diplomatic job too. Mm-hmm. And that's how they moved to London. I think she grew she grew up her early growing up was when in Czechoslovakia or whichever one it was, okay. you know. But that wouldn't be so hard she came to find. she came to London as an immigrant, as a baby or a child? Pardon? She came into England as a child. She she was born in Czechoslovakia or whatever country. Yes, I think she came as a child or a very young person. Mm. Yeah. And they just they they just had no idea. Of anything, none of them did. Well, you could see the Jewish people who came out of the Second World War in Europe. Many of them were making decisions. You can decision. see, you can see I, why oh, they yeah. did it. Yeah, yeah. people changed I, their names, yeah, converted. You know, them. yeah, awful. But she, I think, what she was heard about was that they didn't tell her when she was older. Yeah, yeah, it's strange you know. not to. But, but there's I a lot of stories like that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so she, she didn't. You know, she was upset about it. She wanted to know, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so that was. But all the rest of it was basically about what was what was going on in her job. Right. But it was done very well. It wasn't 
dry. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it wasn't flowery. It was just something that you'd, you. I had no problem, and I mean, of course, I was listening to it, not reading it. But right. a lot of the books I get from the library, I don't finish. Really? But I absolutely would never finish. Would <laughs> never stop that. Yeah. And then this is funny. Had to turn this takes. Shortly after that, I read Franklin Roosevelt, and that was another one of my favorites. Oh yeah, it it must be to do with the writers. I, f I so forget this, now. This was a biography of Roosevelt. That was biography. Okay. Had a, a recent biography. Okay. I mean, he's been dead a long time. Yes. Yeah, and um, uh, so I really like that, and the other one was Abraham Lincoln. Oh, you got on a spin. And, no, it just happened. <laughs> Kathy brought them home. I didn't ask yeah. for them. So what was the Abraham Lincoln one? Marvelous. Was it, it wasn't that new fiction one, was it, about going to the cemetery? It's, it's not an old No, Lincoln and the Bardo? Yeah. Did you read it? Oh, Wait, I what was this Lincoln? one? Lincoln and the Bardo. It's a novel. Oh, no, novel. no. This was completely this was not a fiction. A, a biography. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I forget get all the authors except of course for Madeline herself Albright. because she wrote, she wrote it herself yeah and uh, and uh, I think I liked the Madeline Albright best yeah uh, but uh, the three of them were the three favorite books I read since I was in here that's true really? and both yeah. none of them uh, and it wasn't fiction none yeah of them. none of them fiction none yeah. of them fiction is strange and I really prefer fiction you know yeah Oh yeah, no, I forgot another writer, of course. Okay. No, I, I did mention Alice, and did I say who do you think you are? Alice Monroe. You, yeah. you, you haven't mentioned that. No. Oh no. no. We well, that, that, that's Monroe, definitely, yeah. and, and uh, I'm rereading that all the time. Oh know? yeah, yeah. Who do you think you are? That was the bit. That was the best one. To that's me. a great one. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That was basically. Uh, about her own life. You know, most things she writes are about her own oh, life. Oh, yeah. But uh, I love the title. <laughs> I just can picture my Aunt Folly saying to me, who do you think you are? Yes, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think I should, uh, nice to put a poor old male in there. So <laughs> well, for no, that, I will we say... We can talk about male writers if we have to. I would say Kevin Major. Kevin Major? I had to say, yeah. Yeah. What do you like of Kevin's? Uh, I like what he writes about. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I read, I think I read all of them. I like some better than others. And I loved Holdfast. And oh, I one yes. that came after Holdfast. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and I know Kevin, so I don't know if sometimes when you know a person... It makes a difference. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. because conversations and, uh, you mm -hmm. know, you don't, when you don't know a writer, Mm -hmm. You never like with Alice. Well, I I had, I met her in New York, and oh, you I did had, meet her, did you? Uh, but I did have a long correspondence. Oh, okay. Yeah, and um, oh God, humble. Talk about humble, but not, not like Uriah Heep. Is that his name? Yes. <laughs> Anyhow, okay, uh, and uh, and um, with Bernice, uh, I would include Bernice. She's got to. I'm sitting here staring, <laughs> yeah. staring at her. Who's your favorite no, 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 writer? Present company, Maddox. Yeah. <laughs> I tell this to other people, <laughs> and it would definitely be uh, the short, uh, the uh, one that the title is, is called Junk, the fellow who wrote about the junction or something. You know, your your book, your only book of short stories. Topography of Love. 
Yeah, well, you, there was somebody who wrote gas capsules. Oh, yes, I and you took, you took, you took That's a, what the title is from. Yeah, and the title you the got out of something he said. Kavanaugh, his name is. Yeah, and right. His first name. The Gaff Topsils is a he's wonderful not a new, book. He's not a St. John's Kavanaugh, I don't think. No, he's over from around Harbour, mm. Maine. I'm not sure I ever read that book. I've seen oh, it Oh, you should I'm not read sure I've read Gaff Topsils. It's sort of, you know, when I say this, it's going to put people off. <laughs> a, a sort of a take-off on Ulysses. Oh, know, yeah, that'll put people on off. On who? On James Joyce. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's... It's one day looking like God, looking at like a Newfoundland oh, community yeah. as though you were God. Oh, wow. Right from the beginning of time. Uh-huh. And the line that I stole for the title was, this is what God sees, this is the topography of yes. love. Yes, There's that some is of such a great title. It just gives me chills. Mm, just, that is and, beautiful. And, oh, there's parts of his writing that, you know, it, it's not an easy book, no. but I'm... I, I'd never understood why he didn't get a Giller or a Governor General for that. He didn't get much attention. No. no Sometimes no. there's no justice in the But I would highly recommend Gaff Topsil. Well, it's interesting because I was doing this podcast last week with um, Jen Dion and Sharon King Campbell, uh, both of whom are have lived here for many years but are not from here originally. Uh, but they both mentioned Random Passage as the book that kind of both for themselves coming here and giving to other people is the book that they they recommend to people if you want to understand Newfoundland. <laughs> <So>. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, I would think of the two of you as kind of like two of the can we say grand dames or the matriarchs? Oh, we should put our hats <laughs> on. Grand dames. Yes. Unfortunately, the hats won't show up on the podcast. <laughs> but the matriarchs, perhaps, of, of Newfoundland literature. So it's interesting to me to hear both of you say, you know, who you think are Newfoundland writers other Newfoundland writers that you're excited about and then, you like? um, just thought of another one and her they're turning into all Newfoundlanders right? <laughs> uh, uh, and her uh, her two books that nobody seems to remember are, are about one's about Poirot mm, and, and one's and, and about Miss Marple. I mean, they're just fantastic. Oh, I reread our Miss Marple one about two months ago. I um, haven't. Do you still uh, find it good? Oh, yes. Well, it's not a biography, it's sort of a takeoff. One section is on Miss Marple's maids. Okay. And what happened mm-hmm. to them and what the attitude was. Uh huh. And Miss Marple's attitude about finance. It's a Fantastic! Book. I've never read this. The, the Life and Times of Miss Jane Marable. I think that's what it's yes, called. Yes, I've heard. The, I've heard the title. I'm sure. By I don't think she really meant to be. Oh no, she yes. has it's a never, deadly sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. And this, like you know, uh, and and oh, so often, Miss Marable's attitude to the underclass and the working classes. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, it's well worth. I have it. It's well worth reading. I should read it it's because I, she was. She would never think she would because she was very kind to everyone. And I mean, <laughs> if anyone needed anything, and all the maids she got were all unfortunate, like their father beat them up, or you know, <laughs> all charity cases. Yeah, but she was really good to them, and but she would teach them what they needed to know. She would never think about, oh, what? maybe they'd like to go and finish school. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Very Keeping the lower classes yeah. in their place. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. She got, she was worse. I've noticed rereading her book. She got, she did get a bit better mm-hmm. in that way. 
as Tom will Less know. We're talking about Agatha Christie, you not Agatha Christie. Yes, I know we're talking about Agatha Christie, Agatha. not Anne Hart now. <laughs> no, this is Agatha Christie. Yeah. In, anyhow, no, I think Anne, Cur Anne Hart was uh, uh, certainly not celebrated as much as she could have no. been. No, I don't think and those Jerry, are very well known. And Jerry's and poetry. Jer Jerry, I mean, we're, I'm thinking prose, you know, but Jerry, I mean. Yes, she was a Jerry wonderful Rubia. poet, yeah. But I think Jerry is is definitely one of the best poets that ever came from Newfoundland. Yeah. And probably half of her poetry is not published and probably it's lost. Yes, yeah. Mm, you know. And again, very underrated. You know, I don't think a lot of people no. know no. her. No, or, just yeah. marvelous. I mean, Helen and Jerry and I were working in the last, before Jerry became ill. We, we, we got together about half a dozen times with a big manuscript that we were, we were trying to have it uh, songs and light verse and serious verse was two manuscripts. Right. And we did a lot of work on it. It's disappeared. Oh, really? We oh, don't know shame. what happened to it. Oh, we that don't is know. such a shame. Now, at one point when I visited Jerry just before she moved to her last resting place, Jerry used to save papers. It was so strange. Mm. She had this little short poem about when I'm a, all I want is a piece of paper in a solitary cell. But she had everything. <laughs> had papers all over the place. Papers everywhere. And I actually, when I was leaving, under the newspapers and everything, there was a file, and I stole it. Good And move. it's now at the Newfoundland Centre. Huh. But it's not the file we were working on. But that comes back again to that question we were talking about, about like literary executors yeah. and what happened. Like, if you don't make... I mean, for some people, it might be that they didn't want their unpublished work to ever see the light of day, in which case they should leave instructions to have it destroyed. Mm -hmm. But maybe you have unpublished work that should get published, but like Jerry's I, poems. I, I think that hers probably got thrown out with the garbage. Yeah. Now, speaking of poetry, of Jerry's poetry, reminds me that, Helen, you have you have a new book of poetry out, or a new book oh, of old poems. Oh, you haven't seen it. Have I you? have actually seen it, yes, yeah. but I want you to talk about it a little bit and how this came to be just at, at this point in your career. But talk more to Bernice now first. <laughs> well, I will also talk to Bernice because I know you have a new book coming out. You have a yes. children's book coming yeah. out. In Tell October. us a little bit about that. Well, it's a book that sort of evolved from, I was asked to do, uh, you know, Shalloway has readings between their qu choirs right, when they their do concert, their Christmas yeah. concert. And they wanted four short pieces. Uh -huh. The format was four short pieces of about five minutes each. <laughs> right. <laughs> While the children left the stage and all this going on. And I did um, the four seasons right. growing up. because. Truly, when you get to be a certain age, you realize everything you remember is history. That's right. Yes. Know? <laughs> so it's growing up in St. John's. It's called mm -hmm. Seasons Before the War. Right. And like it begins in the summer, what we wore, what we played at. Uh huh. And I heard it, and I heard you, it was on the radio, wasn't it? A section of it when I did the program, which must have been four yeah, or five years ago. Yeah. I did it two years in a row at St. Thomas's Church and at Gower Street. Mm hmm. Um, so you had to, you read it. I read it. It was because you're not the one who likes doing that. Oh, it, it really. But I, I you mean, never loved doing public readings. No, and, and scary. And this was up in the pulpit. <laughs> but I remember the voice of God. <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted anyone else to read it. I think it very did a very good job. It really fitted in with well, I you know the content. It, you know, it really strange. I must have met Andy Jones somewhere, and he had done readings of the series he made, yes, you know, yeah. of his books, and such a wonderful, I've been to wonderful readings. He did, 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 did she do one of Andy's? Yes, she yeah. did, Andy did it more than once, yeah. and I said how scared I was, and he said, 
would you like to rehearse with me? And he said, would you like me to come and listen? Wasn't that generous? That is such a generous offer. I mean, yes. it was so good. At, of course, his main thing was I was hurrying through it. Yes, he was trying to get you to slow and down. It was, yeah. it, it was so generous of him. And, and he had he marked places where I should stop and pause. Mm -hmm. Anyway, by the time I went out, I wasn't as nervous as I thought I would be. Anyway, that's how the book came to so, be. Yeah, so how did it get from, from being this performance well, uh, piece to, to I being I think it might have been Jennifer sort of propelled me into saying, you know, you should do something. Uh-huh. But I gave it to Marnie and she was enthusiastic about it. But she had encountered this wonderful Scandinavian woman who illustrated about a half dozen books, one about the Brontes. Oh, really? A oh, children's wow. book about the Brontes, which yeah. I should get. I wrote down the ISBN number, but mislaid it. Anyway, uh -huh. I'll get it from Marnie. And she is wonderful. And she really was, Marnie was set on her, and she did. She's illustrating it. I've never met this woman, uh -huh. but I sent her a lot of pictures out of my mother's photo oh, album. Okay. Although the people don't look like me, no. or my father, or my mother, but they look of the time. Yeah, that's why she's yeah. using them for the inspiration right, for the time you know? and place. Anyway, oh, it's, coming, it's coming yeah. out in October. That sounds wonderful. I'm so excited about it. So them. I don't know if, uh, when someone says this is a children's book, I don't know what to say because to me it's a book that, that um, a grandparent would read to a child. Yes, yeah, you know? not maybe a book a child would read themselves. Yes, that's right. That, yeah. I think it could be read by, from what I know, it could be read by either, you know. Mm. Uh, and like you say, to read to a child. Yes, yeah. yeah. But I'm expecting a lot of flack from people my age who say, well, there's one picture in that's Jackman and Greens. I'd love to know who, lived, who owns Jackman and Greens. They'd love the picture. But I'm expecting people my age would, and your age would say, that's not where the, the horses used to take that's the drink. That's not right, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've got to understand, it's, a, you know, it's, it's yes. not meant to be a historical document. Yeah. Um, so that's the story of how your children's book came to be. And Helen, I'm still interested with your book of poems. How did, that, how, how oh, did those end well, up getting released? I've been writing poems uh, ever since I can remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the first one now. It's four lines. I wrote it when I was in grade one. We were, I was six. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, so our teacher, Miss Sellers, well, I didn't like her as much as the kindergarten teacher, was an absolute darling. <laughs> Miss Sellers was strict. Oh, yeah. I also found out after that she had diabetes all her life, and I think she was feeling sick half the time. Mm. But anyhow, she was a good teacher. And she said, I don't know if she always did it every year, but she told us to write a poem. Uh -huh. And she told us four lines, rhyming, uh -huh. you know. And we, we had nursery rhymes and stuff. And, you know, we were all with questions, you know, what would it be about and all that. And she said, well, you know, it can be out anything in your life, a dog or a cat. Or... And uh, I thought, um, maybe I'll write about a dog. And we didn't, I had one dog in my life, uh, Ranger, and that's another story I might write sometime because you wouldn't believe it. Uh, but anyway, uh, he, um, so anyhow, I thought, well, it seems like she wanted us to write about a dog. You know, you felt you had to do what the teacher. Yes, yeah. And uh, so my grandmother had a dog, his name was Laddie, and he was lovely, I loved him. He was one of those white bushy with spots, I don't know what any dog, you know, kind of rough. Right. Yeah, and uh, very friendly. 
and I said, uh, I have a dog, his name is Letty. He's a very nice dog, but he barks at Daddy. <laughs> and then I thought that she was going to think, I knew he didn't bark at Daddy. <laughs> and, and I was telling a lie. I can, <laughs> the, the, the turtle quandary of the writer. Yes, yeah. So it does make sense. It's a, such a good rhyme. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, you know, and at that time you don't. But a daddy and lady, I mean, they're they're just such perfect. It's a great time. It's perfect. I don't see how you could resist doing it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So you've written poetry all your life. Really? Well, that was the first that one. That was the I beginning was six. of it. Yeah, yeah. I remember some of your poems. I remember some of the poems that weren't in the book. At the one called Green Islands. Isn't that in there? It isn't in the book. Well, I, no, I think uh, that was in there. Originally, uh, yeah, no, no, they did. Uh, uh, well, Leslie had something to do with this, but uh, I assume it was also the the uh, main editor. Uh, they went small enough, praise thing, you know, please God. Couldn't be much smaller, but they wanted to cut it down. That's the ones they took out. One, one they took out. Because I love that one. Yeah. Now there's a lot of good poems in it that I really like. See, I, it's got. Um, well, it's called Full Circle, which is the title of the first poem of yours that I ever read. Yes. And I don't think I even knew you at the time. No. But wasn't it published in the Newfoundland Herald or something? It was. It may have been. It was published. The first time it was published was in the. Um, the women's status women women's center had uh-huh. a newsletter. Okay. And that was mm. shortly after I wrote it. It was published there, uh-huh. and it might have been published a couple of odd places. I feel like I read it in some yeah. place, some place not very poetic, like the Newfoundland Herald. Yeah. And I was no, quite young when I read it. Definitely status women. And it left I mean, such an impact you know, on me. Yeah. You know. mm-hmm. And they, I think they, uh, they have, they have a copy of it. You right. Know. Uh, but uh, yeah, that one, yeah, that was a pretty good one, wasn't oh, it? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. what was the one? I don't think it. In, what was the one about the the um, if for a woman? Oh, that's oh, in yes, there. that's in there. I love that. Oh. It, you should, I loved it. Yes, because it's a spin on the whole. If uh, you can keep your head, uh, when all about you are losing there. <laughs> that's the second one I wrote. The new if it's called. Yeah, and the it's new if. There. I had a second new if. That's really the third if. I remember. Uh, because when I was working, uh, I was secretary to a man uh, uh, that I called Mr. Green. I can't even remember his first name. It was Justice Department. He was a lawyer, and he was a typical Irish bachelor. He was very shy, and the girls that uh, worked with me, I, I, was, I was there before any of them, and... Uh, uh, so uh, when they come in, they come in and see me sometimes, and they say, "Oh, Mr. Green, you know, if 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 he if he buzzed and one of them came in, I wasn't there, he'd say, where's Miss Fowler?' <laughs> you know, but it was because he was used to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they had a hard time, but they just laugh at it all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I wrote one. The first one, the first one ended up, uh, you know, if you can sing, if you can keep your hair, and, and it ended up, well then, my dear, you'll be a civil servant, and what is more, you'll work for Mr. Green. <laughs> but I'm looking at this one I now, love doing that kind of stuff. I'm just thinking, like, how 
like this this poem is never not going to be relevant. You should read it, Trudy. If you, oh, I just want to read just this part. If you stay calm when journalists attack you because you dare to question status quo, if you can smile when commentators hack you, but yet speak up and tell them where to go. Like, <laughs> there's sadly never going to be a time in history when that poem is not relevant yeah. for women. Now they got that in women in women's centers, so yes, I suppose yeah. it lasts for a while. Well, I think it's great that you, I mean I know it's it's probably had to leave some stuff out, but I think it's great that this collection of your poetry is out there. And well, I'm glad it is now, and. Uh, uh, yeah, there there were, and some that lot that I a lot I took out myself. Right. Yeah. You know, but uh, there there were some. I want to ask both of you as a bit of a tack away from talking about your own writing, <laughs> um, or even what you've been reading recently. What are the books? You know, after a lifetime of reading, when you think about the books you read, like as a child or as a young mm. person, what are the books that stand out to you? Heidi. You still Heidi. Uh, I've been dying for a chance to say that because uh. only lately. But not just today, but, yeah. you know, uh, and I'm making sure now that Evangeline, and I think she's probably ready now, she uh -huh. seems like it. Uh, and uh, I just, Heidi was the breakout book. Before that it was fairy tales, right? Uh, Mother Goose, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think I was in about grade three mm -hmm. when I read Heidi, grade three or grade four. I've never forgotten, I don't know if I'd like it now or not. Uh -huh. What do you think made it different, though? Like, what made Heidi stand out for you? From well, she was a, she was a child about my own age, and she uh -huh. was a girl, and she was in part of the world I knew nothing about. Yes, in the Swiss Alps. Yeah, and uh, there were uh, I can't remember many details now, mm -hmm. but some of it was said, you know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and the, I was just thinking about the arms uncle. Yes. what she the is. Yeah, the Alma. Yeah, which and is her grandfather, were, but yeah. that's what everybody called him. And, uh, no, it, it definitely captured me, and uh, I can't remember if someone, I certainly definitely read it myself. I think I read it myself, Yeah. right from the beginning. Uh -huh. Because it was a children's book and it was probably big print and yes, all yeah. that. You know? I remember reading Heidi too when I was very, very yeah. young and loving it. Mm. I can still remember the cover of the edition of Heidi that I had. And I remember it bothering me that she was, I think she was described as having black hair in the book, but she had blonde hair on the cover or something <laughs> and that sort of thing used to. Well, I mean, you think, where, was she from Switzerland? She was from Switzerland. You think yes. blonde, don't you? Yeah, I, yeah, I, guess, I guess that's what the illustrator was thinking, but I think <laughs> definitely describes her as having black curls. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. yes, I remember loving that book when I was a child, too. That's a great one. That's got the bit where Peter is so jealous of her friend Clara, who's in the wheelchair, oh, and he pushes yeah. the wheelchair over the mountain, oh, God, and then miraculously Clara can walk, <laughs> which is awfully convenient. <laughs> Yes. I haven't read that for years, but I just remembered the part about pushing the wheelchair <laughs> over the mountain. Well, I guess that was one of the things that made it so good, because so many children's books for children of that age, the children wouldn't do anything wrong. Yes, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. Right. That's right, yeah. it was from that... They all had morals. It was from that era of very moral children's books, but, mm. but it was... Heidi herself was pretty squeaky clean, I think, but Peter was definitely capable of being... <laughs> yeah, and obviously, yeah. seriously. Yeah, so. I've got, but she I'm, does end up marrying him in the sequel. She yes, does. she... In Heidi sequel. Grows Up. Yes, yeah, I must have read Peter. that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I presumably he had some time for a reformation of life. <laughs> a bit, <maybe. laughs>
Yeah. No longer pushing into crippled her own wheelchairs over the mountain. We can't get much worse than that. Well, it's, it's like... Well, they didn't push it over with her in it, though. She was out of the wheelchair at the time. Oh! I, I, no, she was not in the... She was out of the wheelchair. Okay. You pushed the wheelchair over. Oh, I read it, Marty, but yeah. I obviously don't remember. <laughs> or I'm remembering it wrong, which is possible. Well, I have a really strong visual of the wheelchair going over the mountain. I thought she was in song, it. Yeah, I don't know if you ever heard it out on the Mara. Oh, I love that song, yes. Teasing the ones that they dearly adore. Yes. The boys. That's what they're out in the boat and that's what they're they're doing. (laughs) Teasing the ones that they dearly (laughs) adore. That's just the way courtship starts. (laughs) Um, Anthonise, what about you? What are books that, like, over the years, what's a book that stands out to you? Oh, the book that stands out, and I've told this to many people, is The Tree Rose in Brooklyn. Oh, yes. Oh, my God, I forgot that. Because I was always, (laughs) always a reader. And I'd read, I mean, you were allowed to take three books out of the library, Gosling mm. Library. Uh-huh. Gosling Library saved my life. And my friend John Osmond takes three and I'd take three. And then we'd change and then we'd mm. go down next week. Right. So I read all the... So you were the reading six books a week at that mm. point. No, yes. they were yeah. yeah. English schoolgirl books. Yes, yeah. And there was a whole series about girls, ballet girls or nurses. Or uh-huh, yeah. Or whatever. And of course, I read okay. all the William books. Yes. Like yeah. Cromwell. Cromwell? What's her name? They were, I they love have, them. I yeah. still have some of the William books, and they still make me laugh. Oh yeah, now uh, uh, one of the, must, I think it was Johnny who loved them. They're wonderful. Just wonderful. William. Just, just William. William. Yeah. 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 Uh, but then, I can always remember. I wa- I never saw the movie. I still haven't seen it. The Tree Rose in Brooklyn. I've never seen the movie either. Oh but my the God, the movie is great. Well, I never oh. wanted to see it because oh, I fell in love with the book. See yes. it, you love it. <laughs> yeah, and, but it was a book that I knew about. Uh huh. But it wasn't down the children's library. Yes. You had to go upstairs, which was a big round wooden table, and there was a lovely woman sat behind it. Uh huh. And. I asked for it. I was 12, I think I'd be 12 or 13. A tree grows in Brooklyn. And look, I took it home and there was Francie on her fire escape on a Saturday afternoon reading. Mm-hmm. She climbed out to the window and drinking this coffee that was watered down or something. That was the only thing that was free in her house. You could have as much coffee as you like because mm-hmm. you can keep yeah. chicory or something. It cheap, yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was the... After reading all my life, I was 13, it was the first time I really realised consciously, and I'd certainly been in William's shoes, I'd been following William, yeah. but I realised suddenly I'm living someone else's life. If I do this, I can live someone else. I can yes, live any yeah. number of lives. Yeah. And it gave me. I, I remember I was lying upstairs on freshwater on the bed. And I, that realization was something. It was just. It changed my life. Yeah. And I thought, it was a wonderful thing to be able to do. Yes, yeah, to slip into someone else's completely different life. But you know, really, what I want to do is be a librarian (laughs) where the books were. But uh, oh, tree draws him, and it still stands up for me. Oh, Oh, yes, yeah, 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 I've reread it many times. And funny, like Heidi. And the wheelchair. There's one moment in A Tree Grows in Brooklyn that's a really strong visual image that stays with me, and it's when the mother has been saving 
coins in the can. Yeah, it's nailed down in the back of yeah, the closet. Yes, nailed down. And it even describes like how the can is cut open and she mm-hmm. nails it down. And uh, and then she pays for uh, her husband's grave with it. Yeah. And then I think her daughter says to her, are you going to start saving money again? And she says, no, because now we own a piece of land. Because yes. that's what it was for, where she was saving money because someone had told her the only way you could ever get ahead was to own, own a, piece a piece of land. land. Oh, and the yeah. piece of land they owned was his grave. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Oh, oh, yeah. That's a the grave purr. Yeah, there's a lot uh, of Irish pathos in that book. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think it falls down a bit at the end, a little bit, yeah. rereading it. But, I mean, these early scenes about the streets and how they were gathering mm. up the tinsel and take and the dolls that yes. were, got sold yeah. for on tickets mm-hmm. in the stores. Yes, oh yes. Her Remember? mother, the mother was, oh God, oh. mother was a fantastic yeah. character. She's a great character. She was German originally, yeah, I, I think. think so. And uh, her father, of course, was fascinating. Uh, Irish. Yeah, oh, he, yes, was not, he was something like my yeah, father, the, you the know, he drank Irish too much and, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, he was quite and, uh, and, uh, well, quite charming. And uh, yeah, uh, but um, what I liked about the end was that uh, uh, the first time she went to the library, the librarian told her, gave her some suitable books. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if she tried it again soon after and she and she'd named the same books again. <laughs> and then she tried it one last time. And I think she told the librarian, oh. This is when she was older. Yeah. Yes. yes. Now, it's yeah. suitable for a 12 year old girl or something. She kept giving her the same. <laughs> same. Because same she's about 17 or 16 or 17 when the story ends. Yeah. 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 And she's working. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, that was a definitely book, a privilege, yeah. you know, a book. I mean, there's others, uh, uh, but that one was. Mm. It was the book when I realized the power of words. Mm-hmm. And the power of stories, yeah. Yeah, stories. Yeah. You know, I hope I hope that it continues because it worries me, you know, that this instant communication and yeah. communication with one sentence or with symbols, yes, yeah. I really think it's rewiring our brains. Yes, yeah. It might be people. People's attention span is certain, but of course, television changed people's attention span too, and, oh, and yes. yet people still read and the books. internet too. Yes, I think. yeah, well, and especially the phones. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I still know a lot of young people who are very voracious readers. That's reassuring. Mm-hmm. I have I have two shelves of books in my classroom that are not curriculum related at all that are just books I selected as a random selection of books people might find interesting and try to make it as varied as possible and um I always get people say it's coming up at the end because can I borrow this book can I do one of these books that's what they're there for that's what they're there for because I really have you ever read aspects of a novel no I've never read Henry James D.H. Lawrence it was a book oh it was uh, it was very famous oh it's famous mine is falling apart it was written in 1920s or 30s and there's a line in it that really recently I've been thinking about he says the modern theater is in the article about plot okay plot Plot requires that you leave part of your mind back there remembering while you continue the thread of the story the modern reader no more than the modern theater goer it's incapable of leaving their mom behind <laughs> and doing that. So 
if it would break us. Oh my God, if they couldn't do it in 1920. Yeah. <laughs> I think people still can, though. That's E.M. Forrester, by the way. It was E.M. Forrester. Forrester. Yeah. Neither of the ones I mentioned. <laughs> oh, <laughs> see, that's yeah. the good thing about the modern age. Is I can pull out my you phone can, and yes. just go through the aspects of the novel. Um, one more question about mm. books, and this is a little different from the one that had an influence on you, but if there was a book you could, or a book you could convince other people to read, or a book you want, you would like to get other people to read, or a book you often recommend to other people, is there is there a book like that that you can think of? You, are you talking about with, who's the other person? Is it a reader, a non-reader? Oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I guess um, another reader, but I mean, if it was someone like me, that would be a different book from. I. I always had the assumption that if you started reading uh, westerns right. or love, love romances, trash, yeah. romances mm. um, <laughs> that you would evolve to become a reader so you could mar read Margaret Drabble. Yes, that, that you would automatically evolve mm -hmm. into reading literature. Which is one of my, I mean, I, Margaret Drabble, I'm considered so that I, up there. That's kind of your pinnacle of... I, just yeah. about with Margaret, Margaret Lauren and um, Alice Monroe. Alice Monroe. Yeah. But I had a friend, I won't name who it was, and I started her on that path. Uh -huh. And she never, she never progressed. But I, so the, my question is, I mean, I kept suggesting books to her. She never got into Alice Monroe. Uh -huh. Who was this bringing? I'm not going to say who it oh, is. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> but she was an intelligent person. Mm. And, uh, but I never got her into Alice Monroe. <laughs> so, you know, I thought if you suggested to someone to read a short story, read this short story mm -hmm. by Alice Monroe. Read this short story about uh, two, two, two people who go and break the house of someone who's only been kind to them. Figure out what's going on in their mind and the way what's going on around them. What Alice Monroe does. <laughs> and you you won't be able to read anything but that yeah. mm. it didn't happen. It's not true, mm. yeah. The book that the book that clicks like that for you doesn't necessarily no. for someone else. No. And it's yeah. No, I think if I was going back again, a book uh, someone I would recommend would be Kate Atkins' detective series. Oh yes. Three she has she has What some, is it? Kate Atkins. Highly detective. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she's, she, yeah. yeah uh, she has three or four by uh, uh, in the series. She's written some really weird ones, one about a dog that talks. Uh, <laughs> forget it. But she wrote uh, Behind the Scenes in a Museum. Which is one of my favorite books of all time. I love Behind the Scenes. It's, it's wonderful. wonderful. I, yes, I, I think she might have got the Brooker for it. She yeah, won. she may have. That's an amazing But that's a wonderful book. book. Mm. But the three, I think that that book, Kate Atkins, I've suggested that to other people, uh -huh. and it hits something in between. It can lure people out of and into another. Yeah, because it's kind of genre mystery, but it's also kind of literary. Yes. Mm. Now I actually haven't read her detective novels. Oh, I've read and all her non-detective ones. But they're not the ones I read weren't detective. No, she has a series though. When, oh, when, series when, when will this be? I should, I should get will, them. Oh, yeah. there's three, oh, at least three. Yeah, good. So and they're at the library? I presume. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's Cassie. Yeah. I've found the library myself. Not names yeah. of them now, yeah. but I, I, I think I, 
and they're marvelous. Yes, yeah. I've, like I said, I've liked some of her others a lot. Yeah, did you I, like the one about the talking dog? I didn't read the one about the talking dog. Oh, she wrote a two, two a series that I liked, two of the, uh, the second, the first one. First World War. I don't know if I read those. I, I, I love Behind the Oh, yes, the, the um, I like Life After Life yes. and A God in Ruins. Yes, are those the ones two. That I love them. Yes. Life After Life is the one with the woman who is, um, she's, she's condemned to keep living the same life over and over, and she dies and she keeps coming back and being reborn and living, and eventually she figures it out and she starts trying to think how she can get out uh, of the loop. How, how, well, and also how she can make it last longer. Yeah. And you can see how she, she yeah. tries to avoid certain deaths, but then something else happens to her. <laughs> like she does, she avoids the place where the bomb falls in World War Two, and she goes and takes shelter in a different place, and another bomb falls there. <laughs> it sounds funny, but I it's forgot. not. I'm no, really not glad funny. you mentioned her. I like what, her. three? She's mm. really good, yeah. This but three. I didn't know she wrote mysteries. Yeah, yeah. The, first, yeah. the first of the mysteries is Case Histories, it's called. Case Histories. Case Histories. And it's Case Histories. One good turn. When will there be good news? So yeah, she yeah so and they the, were made into a BBC. Series. Yes, yeah, they've been made into. Did a she BBC. do that after she did the other book? In amongst, in amongst. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. In, uh, the museum was one was the first book. Yes, and I think I saw read that one behind the scenes at the museum. museum. Yes, that, so that was a mystery, was it? No, 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 no. no, not. no but no. that's the best novel I've ever read for pulling a twist on the reader at the end and mm. making you go back and read the mm. whole book mm. and go, oh, I should have seen that all along, but you mm. don't see it until And it has do. a pre-birth. She starts yes. before she was born. Yes, like Tristram Shandy. It starts with when, she, when she's <laughs> still in the see. womb. Yes, yeah. yeah. No. Now, if you wanted a Newfoundland male writer. Yes. Well, I well. loved, of course, um, Gaff Topsels, which yes, I think is yes. absolutely... But I love uh, Michael Cromming's book. Oh yes, and I love his poetry. Yeah, Michael Crummy is is what to me he seems like the rare writer who can do everything. Yeah, you know, but I, you know, I think poetry. his books books are just and he's yeah. um, he seems fairly humble. You know, he's extremely yeah, humble. Yeah. Yes, I have to get him on the podcast sometime because almost every podcast I have, no matter who is on it, ends up with people rhapsodizing about how much they love Michael Crummy's books. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, he's actually quite a star of my podcast without yeah. ever having been on it. But. So is there a book that you always recommend or would recommend to other people, Helen? Me? Or a writer that you wish people uh, would read? Well, I'd certainly recommend Asmund Rowe. Uh, I don't think I can get anyone to hold in higher esteem than her. Uh -huh. But again, you know, if you go into categories, but just all over. Yeah, all over writer. she would be the, yeah. I even like her personality, and that shouldn't count. <laughs> when I read, but when I read most of her books, I didn't, had no idea right. what she was like. But she turned out to be like you thought she would be. Yeah. And that was good. And I, oh, I love, I love the ones like, um, now it's just short stories, I think. Uh, I think it's probably in Who Do You Think You Are? And, and that's short stories, but they're all about, all about the same person. Who is Alice? I mean, you yeah. know. She, uh, but uh, she, uh, there's one part in it. We uh, see she, uh, uh, Alice herself married a man much above herself in in social status because uh -huh. they were very, uh, you know, kind of working class people. Mm -hmm. Working class people who were her father. You could tell her father. Her father comes in all the books. Very smart, you know. Oh. And then her mother was very smart, but she had that. Uh, that goes in the books too. She, sort of she had that. She had this horrible disease. Mm. Oh, did she? 
oh my god and and she must be something like uh, Parkinson's yeah she's falling falling around all the time she only lived to be middle-aged oh. and she's she's got some of that uh -huh. Uh, but she was, you know, she was doing things like her father was a farmer, and he appears in. They all appear in yeah. the house, yeah. and uh, so uh, some kind of a special farmer. Anyhow, her mother really wanted. She was a teacher, small town teacher, and then she used to do things like sell books, encyclopedias, uh -huh. and she always wanted something more right. than the house, you know, and. Uh, uh, and then she got, she just got to the point, she, uh, Alice uh, had, was the one who had to stay home with her. Mm. No, no, mm. Alice was guilty because she didn't stay she home wasn't, with her. And, and that's the amazing, one of the things about Alice. Yeah. Alice, she's very hard on herself. Oh, she, she is. She doesn't spare <laughs> herself one inch. And really? Oh, no, you know, she, no. You know, she no. left. She and left. She got away. Mm. Yeah. She says, she, see, she would say that that is not herself, but... Well, in Cass and Rock is about herself. Everything in that book about her mother, I mean, every bit of that is completely... Yeah. Yeah, the, there was two other children and they were already gone or something. And she didn't finish university. I think she only went for one year. Did she? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyhow, what was your questioning? Oh, it was it was what would be your number one recommendation? But it's obviously it would be Alice Munro. It would have to be Alice Munro. Yes. Yeah. And now I, I forgot one author, one Newfoundland author, that a lot of people don't seem to talk about very much. Who's that? And that is um, Ed Kavanagh. Oh yes. Oh, Ed. I really yeah. like Ed Kavanagh. Yeah. 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 He's got another book out. He's got a book of short stories. Yeah. It's very, very good. But I can't remember the title of the book. And of course, we haven't mentioned Joan Clark. Oh, Joan! Yes. Joan is an excellent writer. Oh, yes. Marvelous and and yeah. now there's a movie come. The movie. That's Have right. you seen the movie? Out no, from it's going to launch the Women's Festival out, and I have tickets. Francis and I have tickets to go. I need to get tickets because people are saying it's going to sell out soon. And yeah. I really want because Audience of Chairs is such an amazing. Has it been example. here yet? No, it's no, the, it's, it's launching the Women's Film Festival the first night. Oh, that's soon, isn't it? Yeah, oh. in October. But I noticed in the write-up in the paper. They didn't mention the name of the writer. Oh no, that's They're terrible! <laughs> Based on a novel and not mention the name of the writer. They Ed mentioned Kavanaugh. the director, I guess. Oh yeah. yeah. Ed, Ed Kavanaugh's collection of short stories is called Strays, by the way. Okay, and this it's is beautiful. A poem with birds and Yes, yeah. Do you say Strays? Strays. Oh, Strays. Yeah, that was now what's he got on? He's got a fairly new. That's just new. Is that one. the same one? Yeah, that's, that's fairly new. That's, that's like a couple of years ago. But I think I read Strays somewhere else. I must have. Might have, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, this one, um, the love, the marvelous story about how he, he didn't get, get to Mount Cashel. Oh, that was in the New Flank Quarterly. I have to wrap this up for yeah. time wise. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna edit I'm gonna edit out some of it and trim it yeah. down a little bit. Yeah. But I wanna say what yeah. a great pleasure it has been. Oh my I dear. Always thought it would be lovely to sit down with both of you and talk about <laughs> books. And it was. It was very oh, enlightening. You can see we could go on forever. You could, yes. Mm. Yeah. And uh, it's only the fact that I have a more or less one hour forty five minutes to one hour format that, that causes me to say. <laughs> After an hour and fifteen minutes we should probably bring this to an end. <laughs> 
that wraps up my conversation with Newfoundland literary giants, Bernice Morgan and Helen Porter. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed having it. If you want to have a look at any of the books that we talked about, as always, go to my webpage, trudymorgancole.com, click on the Shelf Esteem logo, and it'll take you to a blog post that lists everything we discussed, as well as links to some of Bernice's and Helen's work. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks with some more great guests, and until then, read a good book and build your shelf esteem.